All right, so we're in part four of a series called Grace, a word study on grace, Karis. And I've loved teaching you through this series. And today is our fourth and last part in it. Now, if you have learned something, if you have been meditating or you've drawn something from it, get on my Instagram, or sorry, my Telegram um, channel and say something. Just leave a comment, say something, respond to somebody else who said something. And let's start a theological conversation through the, through the week about God and about his word and about his promises. Let's be filling each other with the encouragement that comes from God's word, okay? If you haven't joined my Telegram channel, just send me a text and I'll add you. <coughs> or I'll send you, the, I'll send you the link and you can start. We have four parts. The first one was saving grace. The second one was enabling grace. And the third one was gifts of grace. And finally, today we're looking at seasoned with grace. Speech seasoned with grace. Our anchor verse was John chapter 1 verse 16. Would you be so kind as to read it with me? Nice and loud together with the, with the reference. John 1 16 together. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. John 1 16. Let's do that again. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. John 1 16. Romans chapter 5 also is a beautiful verse. We've been dorowing it. We've been re rehearsing it every week. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We rejoice in the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is a grace that God gives. This is a grace that is granted to us. It's a gift to us. We don't earn it. We don't ask for it, it is given, we receive it. And as we receive it, it comes in all its forms in the usage of the term, sanctifying grace, saving grace, enabling grace, and today seasoned with grace. We're looking at our fourth use of the word. Let me take you to an anchor text that really helps us understand where this is coming from. So go with me to Colossians chapter four, verse six. Colossians chapter four, verse six. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Why? So that you may know how to answer everyone. Let's do that again. Let your conversation be always full of grace or seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. The first word, circle, conversation conversation. We're talking about grace in the way we handle people, the way we handle conversations, the way we handle communication with people. When we talk to people and we are talked to by people, speech with others. The second phrase we note here is full of grace, full of grace. That means every word and every sentence is carried with the power of God, the strength of God, and the wisdom of God. Please, people, hello, no, when we say seasoned with grace, we're not talking about talking sweetly. You need to talk sweetly, nicely. That's not what we mean. It's not like we're talking to a three-year-old. It's not like we're talking to a romantic uh, person or something like that. We're not talking about the, the sweetness or the syrupiness in our voice. When we say the grace of God, when we say being seasoned with salt, when we say uh, full of grace, we're talking about the very grace that we have just discovered the last few weeks. Now that grace active in the words 
and the tone of my voice has the power to change, has the power to affect, to influence everything I do in my life. Okay? That power. So are we not talking about being sweet? You can be sweet and you can be stern. You can be emotional, you can be stoic. That's not what we're talking about. When we say being seasoned with salt, full of grace, then we're talking about the power of God, the wisdom of God at work in the way we speak and why we speak. So conversation, speech to others, full of grace, the power and strength and wisdom of God. Seasoned with salt means it's tasteful. It's delightful. It's appeasing. When you speak, you're worth listening to. When you speak, something will change for the better in our family, in our relationship, in our communication. When you speak, it's for my betterment. When you speak, it shows care, it shows concern, it shows shepherding, it shows pastoral love. When you speak, it, it adds to the conversation and adds to my life and adds to my heart, not takes away from me and rips me to bits. Seasoned with salt means tasteful, delightful, appeasing, welcoming, welcoming. So that, that's the purpose clause, so that you may know how to answer, not what to answer, that we all know. But know how to deliver your very precious answer. Speech not controlled by moods. Speech not controlled by medicine. <laughs> Forgive me, I'm on medication. Oh, police. Speech not controlled by immaturity. So you know how to deliver the answer that you want to give, that you want to be understood, but the way you give it, the so that you will learn when the grace of God takes over your speech, takes over your tongue, takes over your mouth. Speech not controlled by moods, not controlled by medicine, not controlled by immaturity. For everyone, for everyone, that means it's flexible. You don't talk to everybody the same way. Oh, that's me. If you don't like it, chuck it, dump it. Hey, that's me. That's how I talk. Oh, please. For everyone means flexibility, appropriate conversation and tone depending on who you're talking to, being discerning about who you're talking to, knowing that you don't know the backstory, you don't know the long story, you don't know what the person has been through, you don't have background information. To be able to be discerning. Another word he uses is to answer. <clears throat> to answer. That means to respond, to reciprocate, to relate, to converse. The answer itself comes by the wisdom of God and not by your latest mood, your latest meal, or your latest emotion. Your answer comes from the God's truth inside you. It comes from God's spirit inside you. Your answer comes from who you want to be to God rather than who you want to be for yourself. Are you getting this? Are you getting the basis for this discussion this morning? Most of what gets us in trouble, most of what gets, in, uh, gets us in trouble are the things we shouldn't have said to, the, to a person in particular. You shouldn't have said that. Or you didn't say it to that person in particular. You should have said it to this person. Instead, you went and told it to that person, which is acqui acquiescing. We could have said it better. That's why we get in trouble. We could have said it better. I didn't think. I didn't. Or we said, but we didn't really mean it. In the moment, we had to answer something, but I didn't really mean it. It was an impulsive answer. It wasn't understood the way I meant it. So you spend half your life reconstructing and deconstructing and, and correcting everybody's 
understanding what you thought they thought you said this has wrecked and wronged this has wrecked and wronged our most valuable relationships you and i have lost friends we've lost loved ones we've lost family members over conversations what i said and how i said it and many relationships are still hanging by a thread we've lost good friends we've lost long associates we've lost trusted advisors we've lost meaningful conversations you remember the early years of your life oh i had such good friends back then i had such good friends back then i had somebody to talk to today i'm all alone <laughs> take a wild guess why just your words by your words you lost them by your tone you lost them by because because of an impulsive response you were on the phone you were in a bad mood in that moment they caught you off guard and you said the wrong thing never recover from that never recover from that indignation anger oh boy words said in anger are never forgotten words said in anger are never forgotten because you take words any words and you douse it with emotion and it sticks to the memory we remember more things that we felt strongly about than what we didn't feel strongly about words are like toothpaste once it's out you can't put it back in so let me give you four reasons to season our speech with grace it will do you well to go down this track to determine to 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 discipline yourself in this area of speech it is the primary responsibility of a believer a follower of christ disciple of jesus four reasons to season our speech with grace number 1 speech are you getting this number 1 speech reflects credibility speech reflects credibility your credibility is in your tongue your credibility is in your conversation your credibility your reputation your respect is all wrapped up in your tongue it is not in your bank account it is not in your accolades it's not in your education it's not in the position you currently hold everything about your respect is in your tongue the reason people love you and respect you is because of the way you speak and the people, the reason they don't is because of the way you speak james chapter 1 verse 26 james chapter 1 verse 26 if anyone thinks himself to be religious that means he thinks he's religious okay and yet does not what bridle his tongue bridle his tongue he doesn't have a control on his tongue but deceives his own heart this man's religion is worthless i like those phrases the way he's ba- put it back to back and yet does not bridle his tongue but he deceives his heart so circle tongue and circle heart these are the two things that come together your tongue your heart that's that's what is going to show up if anyone thinks he's religious yet he does not bridle his tongue he's deceiving himself that means he in his own eyes he is he's not credible he does not have self respect proverbs chapter 13 verse 3 the one who guards his mouth underline guards his mouth guards his mouth the one who guards his mouth preserves his life what is your life your reputation your career all that you worked hard for all the people you've helped in this life all the good stuff you've done in this life is your life and life is in the balance based on the next thing that's going to come out of your mouth Proverbs chapter 21 verse 23 he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles 
That's the most reason why we get into trouble, get others into trouble, is our speech. So your credibility is in your tongue. Your credibility is in your speech. That's how you build. That's how you destroy. Number two, a second reason to season your speech. Speech reflects our heart. Speech doesn't come from your brain. Thoughts and sentences come from your brain. But speech, logos, the word, the word, the communication. When I, when I just talk to you, it's because I want to talk to you. Otherwise, I won't talk to you. Because I don't want to talk to you. Right now, I don't feel like talking to you. You get where I'm going with this? It's not the words. It's why, why I talk to you. It's coming from my heart. It's coming from a place of who I am and who you are to me. Speech reflects our heart. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 28. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers. But the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. What does that mean? What does it mean to weigh my answer? That means I got an answer for you. Let me think about it. What am I doing? I'm thinking through it. I'm filtering my words, my thoughts. Do I really need to say it? Is it really necessary? Is this how it's going to be understood? Is she in a mood to say, to listen to this? Is he in a mood to receive this right now? Is it going to be successful? Is my conversation going to matter? Weigh his answers. That means rephrase, rephrase, rephrase until you've got the correct version in your head and then say it. Think through what's it going to come out looking at the other end? What's it going to sound like? And then the way you deliver it, the way you deliver it. Now, in the beginning, if you're someone who is disciplining yourself and training yourself in this whole area, it's going to take a little bit of time and you'll be very quiet for a while. You'll take longer to answer. But people will thank you and love you for it. And as you get better and better at it, and as you are more under the control of the Holy Spirit, and as you are more fearful that God is watching and God is listening and God is speaking through you, you get quicker at it. You get quicker at it. So you're able to be in a stressful situation, a problematic situation, a, a crisis situation, and still you open your mouth and the, the best things come out. Because it's in the heart. What's in the heart is going to come out, not what's in the mind. Not, what, not what's in the mind. I mean, the mind will come out, but... It's the heart that decides. Luke chapter 6 verse 45. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. Because it's got good treasure. The evil man obviously out of the evil treasure of his heart is going to bring forth evil. For, underlying this, for his mouth speaks from, the, from that which fills the heart. For his mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. So when you talk, we don't, not, we don't just know what's on your mind we know what kind of heart you got. You know, it's coming from that place. That's why everybody takes the words of loved ones even more seriously. You hear so many words on television, people, autorikshawala, everybody, but it doesn't hurt you. But the things that hurt you the most are from loved ones and close ones. Why is that? Why is criticism from loved ones and close ones? Why does that pierce more? Why is it weightier? It's because you know it's coming from their heart and not just from their mouth, from their mind. 
you want to get down to the board why did you say that why did you talk like that to me how could you talk like that to me you're not asking for an intellectual analysis you're asking for the heart you're asking for why why so number 1 first reason your credibility is in your tongue it reflects your respect your credibility number 2 it's in your heart it comes from your heart your heart is talking for the most part our heart is talking about the most important things in our life our heart is talking number 3 write down relationships speech nourishes our relationships or destroys speech nourishes our relationships ephesians 4:29 circle unwholesome do not let any unwholesome talk that means that which is not whole that is not which that which is not wholesome don't let it come out of your mouth that means there's a whole lot of stuff that's going to come to your mind that it doesn't need to come out of your mouth there's a lot of filtering that could happen do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is circle helpful and beneficial two key words what is helpful for building others up and their needs and what is beneficial for those who listen <laughs> When I was 20 years old I was in Bible college and I made a very good friend his name is Mark and he was a good friend to me and that means he told me the truth about myself and we were in the car a lot we were driving here and there we would be with youth ministry we were going all over the place and one day he turned to me he says uh Jeremy you just you talk too much I already knew that but I knew where he was coming from you just talk too much you just You, you there's an unnecessary need for you to keep talking the room is filled with the noise of your voice only you're you just never you never shut up you're always talking and then he went on to further insults and ridicule but i'll spare you that then i said so what <laughs> i know he is my friend i know he he loved me so i said so what do you want me to do about it this is me this this, this is me he's like no that's not you you need to think before you speak you need to think through what you're going to say how you're going to say it when i was 20 that's like 5 years ago <laughs> and that was in my second year of bible college and i have to tell you brothers and sisters i became a very quiet person because i was thinking about what i was going to say and i found out that almost everything i need was going to say was not necessary to be said so i became a very quiet person and by the third year of my bible college i began to say it only if it's going to be ultimately useful for that person's spiritual life primarily and also for their relational life and if it was not going to be useful i wasn't going to say it and i realized i had very little to say that means everything that was before was just gas some friend needs to tell us someone who loves us needs to needs to tell us and i thank mark for that for being a friend for helping me and preparing me to be a preacher to know that my words will affect the lives of many a lot of the time people aren't listening simply because of the way we are talking simply because of the way we are talking they're not listening to the good things we have to say you could be right you could be wise you could have information you could be correct but they're not going to listen to you because of the way you're speaking because of the way you're delivering it you got to decide you have to decide do you want to be heard or do you want to be understood
As apples of gold in settings of silver, the proverb says. Proverbs 15, 23. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. The right word at the right time. Oh, nailed it. So the Bible says that the mouth is a good barometer of the heart. A good barometer of the heart. Luke records again, I'm coming back to this verse again. The good person out of the goodness or the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. My brothers and sisters, my friends, words are not neutral. Words are not neutral. They reflect either good or they reflect bad. Nobody can really say, I didn't mean that. It's better to say when we misspeak, that came from a bad place. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry for that bad place in my heart. That came from a bad place. Even Christians, when you're speaking, we can't, speaking my mind may not even reflect what is the truth because my, there's so much that needs to be done in my mind as the word washes my mind. So words are coming from that place in you. Words are coming from a place inside you. They're not coming from the top of your head. They're not just a cognitive process that decided that those were the correct answers. We are not robots or, 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 or machines or that screen in the mall that just gives you an answer. There's a heart behind everything that we say. And let's not deny that. Otherwise, we deceive ourselves. I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. There's a part of you that did. Paul writing to the Ephesians says that Christians can either speak words that destroy or words that build. Words that are given with a desire to build up the body of Christ. Either you want to build it up or you want to tear it down. Wield it as carnal weapons of destruction. Again, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up. It as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Proverbs chapter 15. Let's meditate on this for a second. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 and 2. Do you know this verse? A gentle answer does what? It turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let's break it down. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You got a gentle answer and you got a harsh word. Now, a gentle answer does, doesn't mean, it does not mean that they agree with you. I can tell you something that you disagree with but I can give it to you in a gentle way. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I could give it to you in a loving way. I have to talk to my wife all the time, every day. And a lot of what I'm saying, she won't necessarily agree with me. Any men want to amen that? No, I didn't ask you to laugh. I asked you to amen. Are you with me? Not everything our subordinates, not everything our colleagues are going to agree with. But you can say it in a way that they understand and they receive it without having to agree with. So when you say a gentle answer turns away wrath, you're talking about an answer that will get through the emotional baggage and actually get to their heart. If you make them angry when they speak, you have, you have blocked or you have activated a deafness. You've activated a deafness. By the way I'm telling it to you, I have just lost the chances of getting through to you. A gentle answer turns away wrath. You can calm down a giant. You can calm down a hulk by the way you speak to that person. And you can get through to that person. They don't have to disagree with you, but their offense can be positively effective. Let's take the harsh word. A harsh word doesn't mean that they disagree with you. <laughs> 
when you say something harshly to somebody, what you're saying, they may actually agree with. But because of the harshness with which you said it, you have now created a negative emotion, negative response, and now they don't even want to listen to what you have to say, even though what you have to say is right. So you just dug your own grave. You just shot yourself in the foot. And you walk away thinking, but I'm right. But I'm yes, you are. And you're alone. But had you said it in a gentle way, you would be right and with somebody. So emotions, my brothers and sisters, is everything. Campers, do you remember this? Campers, do you remember this? We talked about emotions. What a waste of energy. Emotions. And because I am not trained, because you are not trained to rein in our emotions, and we all have a favorite emotion. Some is a sucky feely one, it's, it's, I, 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 you know, the plum syndrome, poor little old me. Right? For some it's anger, for some it's irritation, for some it's, I, I'll get me out of here. Every one of us has a favorite go-to emotion, which is just ready there. Anytime we need it, it's just ready. Because we are not trained to rein in our emotions, our mouths run like headless chickens and ruin the good that you otherwise do. You do a lot of good, but you undo it with the words. You have a lot of good to offer, but you undo it with your words. You know a lot of good stuff, but you undo it with your words. Is this making sense? There is so much you could do if we just rein in the emotions. Rain in the emotions. Because the moment the emotions run wild, our tongue is like, okay, what do we do now? And it runs around like a headless chicken. My brothers, my sisters, I love you. And this is going to change your life. Your inability to handle disagreement. What happens? What, what goes through you when somebody disagrees with you? Is it, is, do you panic? Do you struggle? Do you, do, you, do you go through therapy? Do you need therapy right in that moment when somebody disagrees with you? Does it bring back memories of your childhood or something? And what, what, what are you working with? Your inability to handle being questioned. How, 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 did, how dare you question me? Calm down here. Yeah. Your inability to handle unsuccessful communication. You said it. You said it right. Everything you said was great. They didn't understand it. Okay, so what? What, are they the stupidest people on the earth and now you have to define them as completely stupid because they didn't get it? Rephrase. Rephrase. Say it again. It's your responsibility as a community to get through. Not their responsibility to see what you're saying. Because they don't know what you thought. They don't know what you thought through. They don't know where it was coming from. They don't know your heart. Not necessarily. Your inability to handle disagreement. Your inability to handle being questioned, your inability to handle unsuccessful communication, your inability to, to influence in your favor. How irritated and angry we get when we can't get our wives or husbands or children or, or colleagues or servants or others to do what we want them to do, to do it in a way we want them to do. <gasps> right? How do you handle those emotions? And those are the things that stir you up. And when it stirs you up, emotion goes wild. Sometimes your favorite, sometimes favorite plus one or two. And headless chicken. Headless chicken. Mouth is running around like a headless chicken. All lead to an emotional disturbance. And it blurts out in speech and words and expression. Whatever comes out of your heart. Your heart. A fourth reason. A fourth reason. 
Speech constitutes worship, my brothers and sisters. Speech constitutes worship. Today, we don't bring bulls and goats. Today, we don't bring pigeons and sparrows. Today, we don't travel and go to the temple. Today, it is the sacrifice of our lips. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 and 16, reading from the 21st century King James Version. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice, underline, offer the sacrifice of praise. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is what? The fruit of our lips. Today, what you have to offer, listen carefully, I'm going to land this plane. Today, what you have to offer is your worship, your words, your singing, your words. That is what you offer to God as a worshiper on God's green earth. Now, worship is what we put on the altar. Amen? Worship is what we put on the altar. So our tongue needs to be the first thing on the altar. Christ-likeness is how we use our assets. Our tongue is an asset. So the tongue needs to be the first thing on the altar. So I bring my speech under the power of the Spirit of God. I bring my tongue, my mouth under the power of the Spirit of God and use it to build, to teach, to nurture and encourage or zip it. To build, to teach, to nurture, to encourage. My voice, my words, my tongue are an instrument of praise. They are a sacred instrument of praise. Belonging in the temple for worship. That is what it is there for. And now it is also being used to talk to my wife and children. Also being used to talk to people in my community. Also being willing, used to teach children in the community. Etc, etc. So I'm using a sacred instrument. A God-given instrument. Matter designed for worship and praise to take the name of Christ and to give glory by the sacrifice of our lips. I'm taking that altar of praise and I'm also using it, also, also using it. James is pretty clear about this. He says, with it we bless the Lord our Father and with it we curse people. Oh, we bless and we curse. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. 1 Peter chapter 4. As each of us received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Google oracles. As one who speaks the oracles of God. So my brothers and sisters, when we are talking to people, when we are teaching people, when we are joking, when we are even singing, we reverently remember that we are using a borrowed instrument meant primarily for praise and to take the name of Jesus. It is a holy sacred instrument borrowed, borrowed for our daily lives and not the other way around. Your tongue, your speech, your words, your heart. So Paul says to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, he says, Let no one despise you in your youth. Let no one despise you in your youth, but set the believers an example. Underline that. Set the believers an example in speech. The first thing he says is in speech. Set the believers as an example. Young men, be an example with your speech. Older men, be an example with your speech. Older women, be an example with your speech. Take my life 
and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It will be your royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Ever only all for thee.